I'm Mark Kane with the World Economic Forum. And I'm Miriam Vogel with Equal AI. And this is In AI We Trust. Miriam, I am so excited about today's guest, Kathy Baxter. Uh, my organization, the World Economic Forum, has worked very closely with Salesforce over the years, and we have been incredibly impressed by the attention that they've given to issues of bias and ethics in AI, and Kathy has been leading the charge there. So uh, I'm really excited about this discussion. I am, uh, I'm sure we can talk about many, many things, and uh, I'm curious you know, what, what, what you want to focus on today. Yeah, well, likewise, I share your enthusiasm, both because Salesforce has been one of the companies that has taken the lead on ethical AI, but as you see, particularly Kathy, she is somebody who has committed herself to this line of work and and this cause. And she does so much, even in her spare time, to be ensuring that there that more people are included in the conversation and that the work is being uh, extended in really meaningful ways. And so I'm really excited to hear from her, uh, from her sophisticated platform of, of what her thoughts and concerns are but also for those who are less intimately involved on a daily basis with ethical modeling and and considerations, what we need to know, what we need to be afraid of, and what steps we need to take uh, to to learn from best practices. How about you, Mark? Yeah, I I, I couldn't have put it better. I think I'm excited for for all of that and um, and just to hear about her journey. Um, She has, as you say, worked at lots of different places that have led in in the pack on this. And um, yeah, just excited to hear kind of how she's gotten where she is and, and, you know, how she thinks we should all be um, uh, approaching these issues. So let's let's dive in. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to talk with you and to share your voice with our listeners. Kathy Baxter is the Principal Architect of Ethical AI Practice at Salesforce. Kathy develops research-informed best practices to educate Salesforce's employees, customers, and the industry on development of responsible AI. She received her MS in engineering, psychology, and BS in applied psychology from the Georgia Institute of Technology. And as I understand, originally intended to be an astronaut. So maybe we'll yes. get to that. <laughs> uh, Kathy also wrote a book, Understanding Your Users, which was published or, or updated in 2015, I believe. So Kathy, I'm particularly excited to spend this episode talking with you today and Mark, because you are somebody who spends every day and many, many nights thinking about ethical AI, both for Salesforce and the many other people you touch with your work and your time. Where did this passion come about? Uh, uh, Great question. Because both of my degrees are in psychology uh, at Georgia Tech, there's a really strong foundation in research ethics. And how do we ensure uh, when we're engaging with the people in our studies that we are really treating them as true participants in in the study? They are true collaborators. And how do we think about the ethics of what it is that uh, that our study is doing, um, uh, the benefits to the individuals, not just to ourselves? Um, and then what is it that we are putting out in the world? And so it was a really natural transition into user experience research. And over the years, uh, I've 
uh, spent time trying to uh, develop policies on teams that I've worked with. So like at Google, creating a research ethics forum, a place where uh, when people are doing studies, if they had questions about the ethics of a study they were doing, they could come to a senior group of individuals and get feedback on their study. And so in 2016, when uh, uh, Martin Benioff, our CEO, announced that we were going to become an AI company. Um, immediately, I started thinking about ethical issues and risks with AI and just started bringing that into my work and reaching out to different teams uh, to ask them what how they were thinking about these issues. That's fantastic. What a, what a great kind of um, path from, you know, focusing on the user to focusing on ethics and policy and kind of, you know, the company approach. Um, it's actually, you know, a great lead to, to, to one of the questions that has come up in several of our other podcasts, which is, you know, if you're an individual or you're a company who is thinking about developing an AI product or service, what are the sort of critical steps that you need to take to make sure that it's ethical, that it's safe? for your consumers and for your downstream users? I, I think one of the things that's really a challenge for us at, at Salesforce as a platform is that our products can be used by so many different industries and for so many different use cases. And so um, trying to think about the unintended consequences of what we are developing can feel very much like uh, trying to boil the ocean. How do we possibly identify all of the unintended harms and therefore how do we mitigate them? And so uh, one thing that I would recommend is really thinking about and prioritizing the vulnerable populations and, and how might this technology that you are creating impact them and then ensuring that you can engage with them. And so we've often heard about the importance of diversity within companies so that all of the viewpoints are, are recommended. But I think also another way that you can do this is through community juries. So this is something that Microsoft has written a lot about. So bringing in groups of individuals that represent different communities and not just doing like a usability study with them or a single interview but including them in the entire development life cycle and thinking about the values that you're bringing. And rather than just taking a user-centered approach where you might think about a single persona, so in the case of Salesforce, it might be um, the admin or an individual consumer interacting with the customer service uh, software that you are creating, but thinking about society what happens if your technology is broadly adopted by many different companies? How does that uh, impact society as a whole? So you've given us this great illustration of the types of questions a company could and should ask when deploying or building an AI product. But maybe we should even take a step back. Ethics is not often something you think about in the corporate space. It's usually something more for the philosophy students uh, or for others to, to really delve into. How do you argue, what's your statement to a company as to why they need to incorporate ethical practices and make this a constant consideration in their AI use? 
Yeah, we uh, talk about ethics uh, in similar terms as security. So when all of our, our new hires join the company, there's a whole lot of presentations that they're given to learn about the company. One of them is security, and they're told what all of the security policies are. Um, and we also have one on ethics. And so just like it's every employee's responsibility to have strong passwords, not to sign on to janky, questionable free Wi-Fi, not to click on sketchy links and emails. Similarly, you have a responsibility to think about the ethics of the work that you are doing. And oftentimes that's like your employee handbook and thinking about fraud and those types of things. But when we talk about uh, ethics by design at Salesforce, we talk about asking the question of not just can we do this, but should we do this? Are we thinking about everyone that might be impacted? What are those unintended consequences and how might we uh, adjust them? What are the what are the assumptions, the the hypotheses that we have about the benefit that this technology is going to bring? Um, and is that valid? Are there are there other assumptions that um, are not valid that we really should be questioning and, and um, poking holes in. So challenging each other and not seeing that as a threat, but as a responsibility. Uh, and so by baking this in across the company so that everybody are, is thinking about the ethics of what we're doing, it really creates a culture that we are putting society first. And and the great thing about that at Salesforce is that it's part of our DNA. Our uh, values, our number one value is trust and our number two value is customer success. We believe that our customer success is our success. And so um, thinking about um, uh, equality as, our, uh, as another value, it just all of this work bakes into how we work as a company and how we prioritize what we do. That's amazing, and 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 such a you know thoughtful and, and comprehensive approach. I love the idea of sort of talking about ethics the way that um, you talk about security. I think that's actually, you know, I just want to focus on how much of a paradigm shift that actually is from um, I think some previous formulations where it more fit into the category of corporate social responsibility. You know, it was kind of a nice to have rather than something that's actually mission critical to the company's long-term success and to the kind of, you know, conduct of employees on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so I wanted to ask you, just taking that a little bit further, you know, I think you gave us a good sense of kind of the, the framework and the approach. Um, could you maybe walk us through an example or two where Salesforce or companies that you work with um, have actually applied that in, in practice in a, you know, particular use case or a particular application area? So we've had a number of um, uh, medical companies approach us and say they would like to use AI to predict um, would a patient be a, a good candidate for a particular treatment. Some of these treatments can be very expensive or higher risk um, of side effects. And so you really want in those cases to ensure um, that you're picking the right candidates. And so the goal of using AI to make those predictions is laudable. But 
when I sat down with the uh, customer to talk about their data, what data do they have to train that model? Unfortunately, we found that it's not representative of the broader population. You get what we call um, a survivorship bias. So you get a really special subset of people that are able to go and meet with um, a specialist. So they only they have to have insurance. They possibly have to have very good expensive insurance. They had to have been able to afford all of the copays and deductibles to be able to get to that specialist in order to even be considered for that particular treatment. And so we've seen from the data that that's not um, racially representative. It's not gender uh, representative. Uh, and so, um, the subset of data that they that they have to work with to determine is a particular patient a good candidate is now just so incredibly skewed that in theory we could apply AI to it, but it's not necessarily going to give you an accurate answer. And so in those cases, we've recommended that if this is something that's very important to them, they think about are there other ways they might be able to increase the diversity um, of that training and evaluation data set so that they can be sure that there's more accuracy in those predictions. And it's fantastic that in your work, that is a question that you ask, that you have an audience, you've got a culture uh, where people will hear your answer. I, I think two key pieces that are really important for companies to think about, both having that designated person and setting up the culture that as you have uh, where it's heard and implemented. And we've also talked about how there could be regulations that would be helpful in this space. If you, Kathy, were speaking with President Biden and his team, are there guardrails or other safeguards that you'd recommend they consider implementing to ensure that Salesforce can do this work and that other companies can follow this lead? We've seen a number of proposed regulations coming through, um, in the uh, especially the last year. And one of the, the things that's been a little bit concerning to me is the vagueness. So saying that an AI cannot make biased decisions um, against protected groups. Well, no AI can be 100% unbiased. It's like in the safety industry. You can never say that a plane that it's impossible for a plane to crash. We know that there are safety regulations, but there are also thresholds. And so when we think about bias, we need to think about what are the kinds of bias um, that, that really matter and uh, uh, as far as causing harm. Because in, say, marketing, you can have bias where you show um, only makeup and, and uh, uh, dress ads to women. Uh, we know that there are men, there are people who are non-binary or transgender that might also love to see those dress and makeup ads. And so there's bias there. Is that harmful bias, though? Does that actually, is that something that we need to regulate? 
Not as much as when we think about hiring or health or um, facial recognition. And so we really need to think about what are the kinds of biases that we look for and what are the thresholds? How are we going to measure it and know if this particular AI system is causing harm or if it's um, uh, if it's not? And I also love in that example how you've distinguished two pieces of this work. Part of it is if a company is missing out on potential customers by not advertising clothing to someone who could be interested, it is in their best interest to address that bias. So that is one lane of this discussion where they should be taking it upon themselves to make sure they're not excluding potential customers. On the other hand, it sounds like then there's the government side where we're thinking about protected classes and harms to society where we do need government to step in and make those clear statements. Exactly. Yeah, I really appreciate that kind of um, laying out of, 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 I guess, for lack of a more advanced term, uh, in my back pocket, a kind of risk-based approach where you look at the likelihood of harms, the severity of potential harms, um, and then kind of work backwards from there. And, you know, you may treat different kinds of data differently. Personally identifiable health information, uh, you know, is different than, uh, you know, consumer shopping data, for example. Um, but you really kind of, you know, taking it down to that level and really digging into it, um, seems incredibly important. So uh, looking at, you know, the, the, the scariest of those quadrants, uh, you know, let's call it either high probability, high severity, um, uh, you know, risks. I'm curious, you know, what, what are you most concerned about right now? You know, looking across the, the state of AI ethics and AI implementation, um, you know, what kind of dilemmas, if any, uh, keep you up at night? And do you really think that um, we need to we need to focus urgently on um, whether as government as businesses uh, within society. Yeah, surveillance AI I think is the greatest concern for me, and it's really proliferated in the last few years. On the one hand, I'm um, very excited and uh, help happy to see that there is so much more focus on the issue of. Um, racial disparity in the accuracy of facial recognition technology and the disparities of how the surveillance technology is applied it's much more heavily in some communities than others. We need to shine a much greater uh, spotlight on that but it doesn't seem to have slowed down. We do see some cities and some states trying to put some regulation in on the use of facial recognition, but we've also just seen other areas where it's absolutely skyrocketed and not just in the US, but around the world. And although we can identify some potential good that may come of it, you often see uh, or hear advocates of facial recognition talk about how in India it's been used to identify um, missing children. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about uh, using it in identifying um, people who have committed crimes. But similar, we, similarly, we've seen so many stories of innocent Black men being arrested because of facial recognition, um, accurately uh, identif inaccurately identifying them. And so I, I think that's the area where I have the greatest concern is that although we've recognized the disparities um, 
we have not done enough to um, bring them in check. Thank you for bringing it back to the core principles of, of the concerns that we all need to be mindful of here and what some of the harms could be. So for anyone in our audience who is new to this concept, obviously this is something you've given great thought to and at Salesforce and some of the other companies you've worked at, there's been a significant investment ensuring that you're putting a fulsome process in place. For someone newer to this, do you have steps that you think are absolutely critical they take into account before they launch an AI product or employ an AI product in Pivotal Systems? I think um, one of the great potentials of AI is to be able to identify when there is bias. So for example, um, if you are a bank making loans, um, uh, using an AI system uh, can help you identify if you have existing bias in your system where you know you uh, do something like counterfactual analysis. You put two resumes through, but you change the race or you change the, the zip code, you change some factor, and then you see if the recommendation changes from saying approved to not approved or similarly um, for hiring. So when you do that, it can, it can help you spot when you have bias in your business processes. And then you can go back and figure out you know, where is it coming? How do we address this? And so I would absolutely recommend that businesses take that step before thinking about actually applying and using that AI. Take a really deep look at your business processes that have generated the data that's training your models. Do you need to rethink how you are making decisions? Um, if it's for hiring, do you need to rethink the pipeline of where you're recruiting candidates from? And so that would be the first step that I would use is leverage AI to first identify issues of, of bias and unfairness that may currently exist in your human-based systems and then address that bias before then trying to apply AI moving forward. That's a that's a that's a really I think great and and helpful um, approach and and I think an inversion of the kind of sequencing that uh, a lot of people come at this from. So um, great advice. Uh, I see that we're coming up on time. Um, there. 500 other questions that we'd like to ask you, but we'll, 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 we'll try to wrap it up here. We'd like to end our uh, podcast with a, uh, a question that we ask all of our guests, which is um, hearkening back to, to the, the old exercise of a rose, a thorn, and a bud. So we'd like to ask you, Kathy, um, you know, what you're happy about that you're seeing in the, in the, in the AI ethics uh, ecosystem right now, what concerns you and what scares you, um, and then what are you excited about? Uh, what are you looking forward to in the future? So I think I've touched on a couple of those. So the, the thing that I'm fearful of is, is the increasing use of um, AI surveillance. The thing that um, uh, I am uh, excited about is the fact that there is much more um, awareness of uh, the issues of the racial disparities and in, in how AI is applied, whether it's in um, 
predictive policing, facial recognition, um, uh, differences in uh, healthcare. Um, and the thing that I am hopeful about is that there are so many people that um, are really interested in this field. And we have the ability to bring in people into groups like ours, the Ethical Humane Use Team, uh, that come from many different backgrounds. So you don't have to be a developer. There's real benefit that you bring to these conversations when you have a background in psychology or ethics and philosophy, sociology, um, women's and, and gender studies, um, bringing all of those together and thinking about uh, thinking about this work from a human rights framework really is moving more and more companies to thinking about what their role is in society beyond just making money, giving people cool toys. What really are we bringing into society and how are we changing society as a result of, of what we are doing? Um, that gives me a lot of hope. Well, thank you for giving us hope, Kathy. And like you demonstrated in that final answer, I think it's quintessential, Kathy, to be thinking about a role for everyone, including everyone to participate in the conversation. We all now have a role to play in reducing bias in AI. So thank you for making room for everybody and, and for enlightening us on some of your thoughts and concerns. Thank you so very much. Mark, I'm sure you share my enthusiasm for the great insights that Kathy shared with us today. What are the particular takeaways that are resonating with you? Yeah, I do share your enthusiasm. What an amazing person and, and amazing uh, work that she does. A couple of things that jumped out for me. Number one was what she said about how they put ethics in the same kind of category as security. And I mentioned it during the interview, but I just found that to be really refreshing. I think a lot of times ethical considerations are kind of on the side as a nice to have. Uh, at Salesforce, they're obviously putting it really at the core of their business and seeing it as a key element to how they operate rather than just something that they layer on top later. So that was really, um, I think, um, uh, inspiring and, and, you know, an important message to others to do the same. Uh, I also thought that um, just the, the the granularity, the the kind of specificity that, that, that Kathy goes into when she looks at, for example, uh, the issue of medical data, um, I think it's just really important. It just goes to show that we really do have to get very specific. And this is very detailed work to do this well. And it requires lots of different types of competencies. And, and, and I guess that's the last thing I'll say. I found the last comment to be really um, uh, important, too, just about this being the work of many different disciplines all working together. It's a very complex challenge and we need a lot of different kinds of skill sets at the table. Uh, what about you, Miriam? What jumped out to you? Well, I really uh, was struck by each of those points. I'm, I'm glad you raised the point too about the healthcare example, because I do think that's a space that is not as often discussed, but it is so rife with not only biases, but problematic bias. And I'm 
really took note when she said that no algorithm can be 100% unbiased. And so I think that is an interesting uh, framing for us to take this conversation to the next level. If we have that assumption, then what do we need to be asking? What do we need to be doing? So I am I'm really grateful she gave us so much time and thoughtful guidance on where we need to be thinking through these issues and, and trying to have impact. You have just listened to In AI We Trust, hosted by Miriam Vogel from Equal AI and me, Mark Kane from the World Economic Forum. Subscribe to or download our podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. We always welcome your feedback. And if you like the podcast, please rate us or give us a review. And to learn more or get involved, please visit us at www.equalai.org and www.weforum.org. Dot org.